Hello, and welcome to episode 85 of Joy Sounds Music You Need to Know, where we bring you the brightest independent artists. I'm your host, Chris Sampson. Joy Sounds is presented in partnership with Music Connection. Music Connection has been an invaluable resource for the entire music community since 1977. For more information, visit musicconnection.com. Today, we feature new metal band Crisis Couture. Crisis Couture is the brainchild of the multi-talented Brendan McKeon. The most recent single from Crisis, called Radiant, served as the theme music for the trailer of the popular comic book Radiant Black. And their first single, Waiting on the World to Burn, caught the attention of System of a Down's Serge Tankian. During the show, we'll hear Radiant and Waiting on the World to Burn, along with a track from their recent The Gold EP, titled We Are Stars. So let's begin the episode with Radiant by Crisis Couture here on Joy Sounds. Yeah. 
And that was Radiant by Crisis Couture. It's my pleasure to welcome to Joy Sounds the brain behind Crisis Couture. This is Brendan McKeon. Hey, Brendan, how are you doing? Hey, Chris, I'm doing really good. It's great to have you here. Love that song. Love the energy of it. This is your latest single, right? Mm-hmm. And it was released in coordination with Radiant Black, a comic book, or as part of? How, what's that relationship with this comic book, Radiant Black? Right. So the first Crisis Couture EP came out in 2020. <laughs> yeah, I got my dates right. <laughs> and uh, and my buddy, Kyle Higgins, who is the creator or co-creator of uh, Radiant Black, he he's a big fan of Crisis Couture. And he called me one day. He's like, hey, man, I want to put the band's logo on the t-shirt of one of the characters in the comic book. And of course I was like, yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do that. And so in the, at least in the first issue, which I haven't seen the second issue, but I've read the first issue, uh, which just came out on the 10th of this month, the main character's good buddy, he's running around, they're going, they're running around town with a, he's wearing a crisis couture shirt. And so Kyle came to me probably late 2019 or early 2020. And he was like, Hey, you know, we're, would you write the music for the trailer as crisis couture? And I was, I was like, yes, I have. <laughs> what else am I going to do with my time? Like, of course. And so that's how it got started. So, you know, the song is like four and a half, five minutes long. And I think the trailer is just under 60 seconds or something. So, but yeah, so I, I wrote this full throttle superhero anthem for his comic book. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. It's funny. I got a comment on YouTube. They're like, this sounds like if Mighty Morphin Power Rangers met like early 2000s Screamo. And I was like, That's exactly, that was my intention. <laughs> nailed it. Absolutely yeah. nailed it. <laughs> That's fantastic. You can see how it connects with uh, when you check out the trailer. And I encourage all the Joy Sounds listeners to not only check out the trailer, but the entire song, Radiant by Crisis Couture, because it, it definitely. Um, you can see it connects with the mood, the vibe of the comic book. You did a great job with it. But the song is so much more than just a anthem for a comic book because it makes a very current and relevant social statement. And mm. I almost have to presume that this was written during quarantine time because it, it just has that context to it. Am I right? Absolutely. I, I sat down to write it in the summer, which obviously quarantine was in full throttle by then. And I think we were in our second wave or, you know, yeah. basically the, the severity of the situation was becoming increasingly clear for any doubters. And and then, of course, all the protests started, the George Floyd protests. And I, well, for a variety of reasons, I I didn't want to or find myself able to go out into the streets. I wanted to protect myself health-wise. I have like this auto, a lot of autoimmune stuff. It's like, I really can't screw around. Right. And so I felt bad. I was watching all this stuff on TV and on the internet. And, and it was, it was, and, and I mean, I live on the outskirts of downtown LA and I mean, I could even hear some of the stuff going on. Mm -hmm. It's like explosions and blasts and all sorts of wacky, scary stuff. And, you know, I wanted to, write something that was meaningful, you know, on top of, yes, it, it was written, like, designed for this comic, but, you know, I, I always write, invariably end up writing from the heart, so to speak. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I really wanted to do my part as an artist in my own limited way, you know, to contribute. And so that's where the lyrics came from. 
they make a very powerful statement. As you, you and I both know, the world and the situations continued to change from this summer. And I'm just wondering, like, did the, did the lyrics, did the songs take on a potentially sort of different vantage point? Did you have to kind of relook at it through the lens of sort of our latest crisis that we went through? Uh, the right. insurrection, transfer of power, and all of that, because these lyrics have a lot of application in that sense. Did that change for you? Interesting because I think yes and no. Mm -hmm. So I was working on the lyric video because I do everything myself. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I feel like the verses set a, a pretty solid, solid foundation for what the song is about. And then I found myself animating the words for the final outro. There's this, during the final chorus, there's this screamo, just like vocal that just like starts just ripping, ripping over the final chorus. And I found, I was reading the lyrics as animating them. And, I, and this was right after the insurrection. Mm. It might've been the day after some, you know, I'm working on my lyric video or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, you know, we can make one more night, do that every damn day for the rest of your life. You know, take that flag, test your will over every single body that died before you on the hill. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was like, took on these an lyrics, entirely new, new context. huh? Right. And I and I realized like, oh, these lyrics could very easily be appropriated by, quote, you know, the other side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We'll just say insurrectionists for now. And for that reason, I didn't like take them out of the song and remix and remaster the song. But I, I did take them out of the lyric video for a few reasons. One, it's just like, I don't want to be even remotely or potentially associated with that movement. Sure. But, you know, it, it also just sort of highlighted the, the duality of virtually everything, you know, that words and, 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 and the meanings of words that are yep. strung together in senses, yep. they can be interpreted and, and viewed and, and used by anyone for any purpose. And, and it's not really my place to say, well, you can't do that or anything. It just, yeah. it just, it's just like, oh, wow, I, I wrote this song from the perspective of the protesters and Black Lives Matter and these things that these, you know, social justice and then watching the insurrection and like working on my lyric video at the same time, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I get it. I think that it's, it's, it's just an interesting time for artists to create in, depending on what lens it's viewed through can get aligned in, in ways that's unintended. It's good for us to understand what your original intention is in the context mm. of this particular song. You had mentioned that you do everything yourself. Crisis Couture yeah. is sort of presented facing as a as a band project, but really it's all you who does the, as I understand it, writing, performance, yeah. production, the whole thing. How'd you come up with this concept, Crisis Couture? Yeah, so to begin with, I had a band ready to go. We were gear all gearing up for our first live shows in March. <laughs> <laughs> And the band was hot. The you know we were we were tight. We were ready. We had a bunch of shows lined up. I had invited a lot of important people to these shows. You know there was there was plans in the motion. And of course, like COVID hit. Which and, I mean, yeah. there's not one person in the world that COVID hasn't probably ruined everything for. Right. But you know this was this was a big deal to me. I've been working on this for a long time. And yeah, so th the band aspect, which is for the live application of it, just you know it petered out. Sure. Um, but Crisis Couture, yes, I, I I do everything. I play everything. I perform everything. I and and 
with Radiant and the new album, which I'm working on right now, I'm just mixing and mastering myself too because it's just like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just doing it all. So, but it's giving you. Um, it's also giving you like out of necessity some incredible yeah. skill sets because yes, it's like yeah. it's like you know what do you want? You want me to write you a song? I can write you a song. I can mix you a song. I can master you a song. I mean, you're you're kind of like this uh, jack of all trades right now. Yeah, uh, a jack of all trades, jack of many trades. I've even started mixing other people's stuff because it's like I enjoy mixing. I think I've gotten. I think I'm pretty good at it. A radiant, I mixed and mastered myself. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, so Crisis Couture, before Crisis Couture, I was just doing more or less pop music um, mm-hmm. under the moniker McKeon. And for years, I had been doing all just kind of sample-based producer-type music. Um, I was, you know, and, and I'd put down the guitar almost permanently like it was just like gathering dust in the room and everything was i was just using drum machines and i would try to sneak guitar into almost every song or piano i try to put as many acoustic instruments as i could but you know and that's great but i I grew up playing guitar and piano and and singing rock and roll and one day i was tasked with writing some songs for a horror movie oh yeah, the movie was called Hellfest, and it's a movie about kids that go to a horror theme park and get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was asked to write like a song, like a thriller type song that they were, you know, they're coming into the theme park and, and spirits are high. And then I was asked to write kind of like a Rob Zombie type song just at some point. I think, full disclosure, both of these songs are not in the film, <laughs> but they are on the soundtrack. So uh, one of them is Worm Feast, which is actually on the first EP. And then the other one is called Dead Alive, which is a bonus track on the soundtrack for Hellfest. And just full, also full disclosure, my brother Bear McCreary did the score for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why he was like, I'll just put him on the soundtrack, buddy. Sorry. You know, sorry they didn't get in. <laughs> hey, man, get on, get on that soundtrack however you can. That's all right. right that's good. Right. So <laughs> the thing that happened was I had just days to write these things. So I wrote, I think I wrote Worm Feast first. And I just wrote uh, this dumb butt rock just asinine song about <laughs> cannibalism in hell or, or whatever. And so I was, I was listening to, I was driving somewhere for 45 minutes. I had like a 40, 40 minute drive or whatever around LA and, and I listened to it and then I listened to it again and I, and I listened to it again and I, and I found, I just kept listening to it over and over again. I was like, this is really fun. I'm having a lot of fun listening to this. And I also noticed that I was having a lot of fun making it. Mm. It was fun to make it so quickly. Mm-hmm. It was fun to make it so unceremoniously. It was fun to play my guitars again and to play bass and drums. It was fun to scream. It was fun to just like bash it out and get it out the door. Two days, done. Yeah. Two days of work, done. And gone was that production nitpicking, the the perfection, the perfection, the perfection that everyone's always striving for. Just, I didn't care. Yeah. And, and suddenly this veil was like 
lifted off of me. I was like, this was so much fun. Well, what if I just did this again? What if I did it again? What if I did it again? And so um, on that, the first two EPs, which were written and recorded at the same time, I don't believe there is a single song on that album that wasn't written and recorded in less than three days or in more than three days. Wow. Wow. That is an entirely new workflow for you. For me personally, yeah. I mean, I'd take months and months to finish songs or whatever. These things were just, okay, you sit down. So take a song like... I'll just use waiting on the world to burn for an example. I wanted to write a song. I was like in the shower one day and I was like waiting on the world to burn. That's a funny kind of concept. I, I, no one's ever, I was expecting people to like mention it in comment sections. It's a dig against John Mayer waiting on the world to shit. I don't even remember what it is. Waiting on the world to heal, waiting change, on the world to, to change, change. To change. And so uh, obviously my cynical, sarcastic sense of humor where it's just like, that's never going to happen. You know, ironically, by the time Waiting on the World to Burn came out, California was on fire. So we didn't have to wait too long. Mm. Yeah, I was just in the shower and I was like, I'm going to write a song called Waiting on the World to Burn. And I just sat down that afternoon and it was just kind of like guitars, just throw that into Pro Tools and then just, okay, lyrics, just get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. Yeah, it is an entirely new workflow for me. It was liberating. It was just absolutely nice. liberating and fun. We were talking before the show about things that aren't fun. Just get rid of it. I'm not going to do it. I want to <laughs> enjoy myself. That is where the genesis of Crisis literally was from the Hellfest soundtrack. And it's also turned very much into an emotional vehicle. A lot of the songs on the first two EPs are kind of cynical and funny and fun and then on this new album that I'm working on, there's a lot of emotional stuff going on. And, and I've mm. sort of learned how to channel crisis into a, a legitimate, like emotional form of expression, which has also been cathartic and wonderful. So, you know, all this time I, I get to play instruments again aggressively, you know. And so it's been it's just been kind of everything. It's been That's fun. Great. It's been therapeutic. It's been generative, uh, educational, everything that you want an artistic endeavor to be. Sounds like it was a big deal. You started getting out of your own way in a lot of ways to just sort of entirely. This. So yeah. that's, that's great. How about we check out another song from Crisis Couture? This is off the second EP. This is We Are Stars by Crisis Couture on Joy Sounds. Give me eat, I'm not alive Or do you love me, really love me Then you see with my eyes 
That was We Are Stars by Crisis Couture off the Gold EP. Let me take a minute and tell you about our co-sponsor, Music Connection. Through its daily website, weekly newsletter, and monthly print magazine, Music Connection caters to artists, musicians, industry pros, and support services. For years, Music Connection has been known for discovering new talent by reviewing unsigned artists, both through its live performance reviews and critiques of recordings. Music Connection never charges a fee for its reviews. Known for years as the Musician's Bible, Music Connection bridges the gap between the street and the elite. It exists to serve artists and music makers of all genres, offering connections to the unconnected and to provide expert, cutting-edge information that can help you take your music to the next level. Whether offering tips on raw survival or exclusive contact lists of industry pros like managers and label representatives, Music Connection is an acclaimed, proven resource for the professional and semi-pro musician. Check it out at musicconnection.com. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Brendan McKeon of Crisis Couture. And that was We Are Stars by Crisis Couture. That's a different approach than Radiant. It's still heavy. It's still got the edge to it and everything, but a lot more layered harmonies, and it brings in additional influences from you. And I know you've Mm -hmm. got deep influences. Queen, David Bowie, and I can start to hear that as also part of this. Is Is that true, or am I just assuming too much? Uh, no, no, that is true. There's a lot of influences at play here. You know, I think the most outside, we'll call it metal for lack of a better term, um, influence, uh, track two on the first EP is, is a cover of Kendrick Lamar's humble. There's a wide ranging influence. We are stars was going to be the first single off the second EP, but COVID just like derailed everything. So Mm -hmm. We were going to hit the stage. I had vid- music video shoots lined up for the e- second EP. And then that just, okay, this isn't going to happen, you know? So I decided to release it anyway. I don't want it sitting in on my hard drive, just burning a hole in there, you know? Right. So let it out into the world. So We Are Stars was going to be the first single. We Are Stars is an example of a song that was reappropriated from long ago. I had a song... Hmm that I hated <laughs> and ended up on television. <laughs> so back in the day on sci-fi, there was this TV show called Defiance, a sci-fi show about post-post-apocalyptic Earth. And um, I was writing pop tunes, so these colloquial tunes for the people and you know the society there. And in season one, I wrote a song, forget exactly what it's called. It, it was We Are Stars. It was, I think it was supposed to be kind of like a, a groovy Rage Against the Machine type thing, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a hip hop song. I just, I, I, I just, I really, I really didn't like what it became. It just didn't, didn't work for you. It just didn't work for me. But I always loved the riff, and the riff was super fun and weird to play on guitar and bass. And then the, the chorus or, or the bridge, or I don't know what it is, that the ending section, the super soaring, yeah. I always love that part. That was when the harmonies were really stacked. That's what I was yeah. kind of yeah, mentioning. Yeah, I, I always knew it was like, oh, I, I want to do something with that song one day. I, I want to redo it. I want to I change it up. And so Crisis Couture gives me a, a, a wide palette of, of sort of musical vernacular to choose from. It, 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 things that just wouldn't work with McKeon or my old band, Young Beautiful in a Hurry. They can work with Crisis. Yeah. And yeah. so, yes, I will concede that I, I I label Crisis as a metal band. I will concede that it's not thoroughbred metal. Right. But one of the one of my goals with Crisis is to potentially sort of make the journey into metal and harder 
music genres easier for people. So mm-hmm. I got into metal through Death Clock. It's not a fictitious band. It's a real band <laughs> in real life, but they're a fictitious band in a TV show called Metalocalypse. This is from many years ago now, and, and, and they're, still, they're still quite famous and, and beloved. Through Death Clock, I was able to, to start realizing, oh, I'm missing a lot here by not listening to metal. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I started listening to metal. I started listening to Sepultura, was one of my favorite metal bands. And then I inevitably stumbled into the world of System of a Down, which I think is the most, like, the, the touchstone for Crisis Couture. I always tell people, it's like, oh, it's like if System of a Down, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Oingo Boingo <laughs> had a, a four-way mutant baby. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That is that is Crisis Couture right there. Yeah, it, it is. So it's it's basically, like, metal, aggressive, but with grooves and a little bit of funk, slap bass here and there, and fun, you know. Yeah. One of the things about System that I love so much is there's so much fun. And yes, 90% of the time they're talking about genocide. Right, right. And that kind of dichotomy is so powerful. So it's like, hey, if you want to come here for the content and you want to feel the anger and the hurt, do it. If you want to come here for the vibe, that's cool too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not, not uh, you know, fun fact, Serge Tonkin and I are, are friends and he... Um, help me. He was, I, I was like, Hey, Serge, listen to this, listen to this crisis thing. And he was like, I love this. <laughs> so he, he, he helped me promote it. Um, you know, he tweeted about it and, and Instagram about it. And so bless him for that. Yeah. I can, I can definitely hear all those things sort of uh, mixed together because it does have that sense of fun and dare I say quirkiness too. But while at the same time, there is the message that's behind that. And um, so I can definitely hear all that. You had actually mentioned Oingo Boingo as one of the ingredients that might go mm-hmm. into to crisis. And that's actually part of your story. So part of your story is that you have regularly performed live as the singer for Oingo Boingo, which is yeah. pretty remarkable. And we're, love- we're called... F- Oingo Boingo former members. I okay, great. Is the great. official name. Yeah, yeah, so let's clear that up. You routinely get to sing with the former members of Oingo Boingo. And Not that's... routinely. I think I've been doing it for 15 plus years. So <laughs> it's a long-term thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. You tell me, what is the experience of singing those songs with the members of Oingo Boingo? I assume that you were a fan and, and mm-hmm. influenced by Oingo Boingo long before you had this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, of course. I grew up listening to Oingo Boingo. Everyone in Oingo Boingo, Steve Bartek, John Hernandez, Vatos, and John Avila, they've been like, I mean, Bartek has literally been a second father to me hmm. in and then they've all been like musical mentors is an understatement i mean uh bartek was my mr miyagi in you know <laughs> um and you know meeting those guys and working with those guys was when i first started and vatos was like hey do you want to come sing for this i didn't know what i was doing Right. You know, and I got out there in in, in front of two thousand people, and it was either just kind of like, "Hey, you're 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 either gonna do this or or you're you're not." And I can and I can say succinctly that everything that I know about music, at least pop music, rock music, performing, 
everything that I know is because of being in that group with those guys. Mm. It, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, it's a complicated role that I fill in the band, i.e. sure. Replacing Danny Elfman. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's you that's know, not just like the, big shoes to fill. That's uh, the, the shoes to fill. Yeah. And uh, it, I've gotten into a lot of, um, let's just say I don't leave the green room very often anymore. <laughs> you know, I've gotten into some complicated situations mm. being in that role. But channeling the music is, is not, I don't think it's something that the average person can do. Let's I just agree. Completely I don't need agree. To, like, toot my own horn. That music is very special, and it requires something more than just you know getting up there and singing. Yes, everything I know, everything I've ever learned has been through being in Oingo Boingo, former members, uh, and and being with those guys. Yeah. Um, and Crisis Couture most certainly would not exist without, at least at the very minimum, the vocal stuff that I learned by being in Boingo. I mean. I am not a metal singer and I've been developing that sound, my own version of it since the inception of crisis. So, I mean, I only started singing aggressively maybe what, two years ago, maybe three years ago now that the Mm -hmm. seed of crisis was planted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've been learning over time, like how to do this. And um, there's a lot, you know, I, I, there's just the, the screaming and the, the yelling has been intensifying and growing and morphing into my own thing. But I learned all that stuff with Boingo. Amazing. Amazing. We're doing like two hour long sets and I'm just like screaming the entire time. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, like you say, I mean, you're channeling that energy. It's a very special, unique vibe. Now I can kind of see the lineage the mm-hmm. connection between that experience and your new outlet, Crisis Couture. So I, I can see that connection now that you've explained it. That's really cool. Yeah. I have intimate knowledge of, of Oingo Boingo, and I don't do a, an impersonation of Danny on stage, right. but I definitely understand how Danny sings. And then the, the, other, the other big teacher that I have is, uh, while we're talking about my other gigs, yeah, yeah. is, is uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen. So <laughs> I did the, for, for those of you that watch Big Mouth on Netflix, I, I sang the Freddie Mercury song, um, what, it, what, what It's Like to Be Gay from season one, episode three. And so I also have a, uh, a relatively spot-on impersonation of Freddie Mercury, which I do not exploit enough. I, <laughs> I could probably be an internet sensation we if need I more, just... We need more uh, yeah. Brendan McKeon, uh, Freddie Mercury out there, I think. Yeah, I think we do. Well, I have to say, uh, this show, and me in particular, we are a fan of Crisis Couture. We think this band is amazing and deserves um, all a ton of attention, and uh, we want to see it have a bright future. We do know that it emerged in a very, very challenging time in which you're having to hit pause on a lot of things. So this question might be unfair and also very difficult, but... What do you see in the future for Crisis Couture? What would you like to imagine for it? Yeah, that's a a tough question. And the immediate future, I have another single. I'm just, I'll spoil it. It's an Ariana Grande cover. (laughs) (laughs) By Crisis Couture? Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, I'm so I'll, glad I'll send we it got, to you. We got I'll we got a Joy Sounds exclusive on that one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, and if you don't I, want me to spoil it, I don't have to. That's all right. No, <laughs> you can spoil it. But yeah, I have a single coming out. I'm not sure when in the next few weeks or whatever. I'll make a lyric video for it. It's a it's a Ariana Grande cover of uh, "Thank You Next." It kicks ass. I'll send it to you. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> and then I have a a whole new album. I'm got. I'm working on the album artwork right now with an artist, and uh, I'm mixing it currently. Twelve songs. I don't. I might release it in two EPs, six and six. We'll see. And and other than that, you know, I I I put little feelers out there. Try to take meetings. You know, see if we can get some label interest or whatever. And and honestly. Uh, I, I don't foresee that happening either. It's just like, you know, things are insane right now. So the thing about crisis is I think it's, it, it will endure for me as an artist because I sort of perceive the world in through the crisis couture filter now. Nice. Um, more so than with McKeon or YBH. When I process emotions, when I think about songs, when I like feel the desire to write a song, it's always like, from a crisis couture point of view. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have a, I have a whole other McKeon album in the can too. That's just waiting to come out. So, um, but I really feel like crisis couture is kind of here to stay and will probably be a vehicle for expression for me for the long haul. So whether, whether it ever gets on stage, I, I hope it does, but it all just depends on health and safety and yep. everything that we got to deal with right now. So, yeah, uh, my immediate view is is just keeping it simple, keeping it pure, and just making making tunes as as quickly and as free and as fun as possible. Love that, Brendan McKeon. It has been a blast to catch up with you, my friend. So appreciate you, this. But before we wrap up today's episode, we are going to hear another song. We've already heard the backstory a little bit on this song. This is Waiting on the World to Burn, the very first single from Crisis Couture. But before we go, one more time, Brendan, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. So this is Waiting on the World to Burn by Crisis Couture on Joy Sounds. It's all gonna burn Waiting in the queue Get your water and your food 
and follow Joy Sounds wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us on all social media platforms using the handle at Joy Sounds Music. Are you an artist who would like to be on the show? Visit the contact page of our website at joysoundsmusic.com for more information. Until next time, this is Joy Sounds, music you need to know.